So tonight we're kicking off the series with, um, with prayer. The whole series is going, so how many of you didn't, how many of you heard the sermon on Sunday? Most of you, okay. So the, the overall concept of what we're doing in this series is the practices that you engage in in order to help bring yourself in the presence of God, right? And the whole sermon on, on Sunday was, was to get us in the mindset like, this is not a new legalism. This is not a way we're earning our salvation. This is not a thing that we're doing to become more righteous. This is not a self-help thing. But it doesn't mean that we just do nothing. This is some, these are things that we do to help put ourselves in the presence of God. Prayer is not only one of probably the most universal religious practice across all religions worldwide, um, it is the most universal Christian practice. I think you would be hard-pressed to find a Christian anywhere in any tradition who said they didn't pray. Um, and it is something that is not only talked about in the Bible, it is, it is taken for granted in the Bible. In fact, a lot of these spiritual disciplines are taken for granted in the Bible. Jesus didn't um, ask if they were going to pray. He taught them how to pray. Christian prayer has over the ages taken many, many different forms. Um, when you say the word prayer to somebody, it could mean I am throwing out a wish to the universe and I'm calling that my prayer, right? A prayer could mean I am sitting and thinking about God and that is my prayer. When we look at Christian prayer, it is specifically a desire to interact with God. It is specifically a desire to interact with the triune God, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there are, there are two forms of it that we see in Scripture. One that we see in the, in the Psalms is this kind of passive, waiting, listening, contemplation form of prayer. And the second that we see in a lot of the Scripture and a lot of the New Testament is a very active, assertive, God working in the world kind of prayer. So when the disciples pray, um, you know, God heal this child or something, it's not um, sitting and contemplating the universe or sitting and contemplating the nature of God. It is a very active form of prayer. Both of those are in scripture, and both of those have been practiced throughout Christian history. We are going to have an entirely separate um, evening on contemplation, meditation, and silence altogether because I think that's worthy of its, of its own evening. Tonight, I'm going to talk about specifically three different kinds of prayer, more active prayer, that have been practiced within the Christian tradition, and you're going to have a chance to experiment with some of them. The first one that I want to talk about is a historic form of prayer called the breath prayer. Um, and I fell in love with this when I was a teenager, actually, because as much as I like words... When I started praying, I found that I never knew what to say. I never had the right words, or I spent so long thinking about my words that then I forgot I was praying. And then I just ended up writing like a poem or something. And what the breath prayer did for me is it gave me the words to say and almost made my brain shut up for a while so that my, my spirit could start praying. Here's the story of how it works. So... It comes from a tradition from these people called the Desert Fathers, monastics that lived um, end of the first millennia. I should go check that. Uh, first millennia to the beginning of the second millennia. And they had a lot of prayer practices that involved the whole body. 
Um, so they have this tradition of when you take a, when you have a breath out and when you have a breath in, you would say a certain prayer. Um, so in, in Greek, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And in fact, if you say it, um, I, I read someone once who, who said that if you get in the rhythm of saying that, you'll notice that it also goes like with your heartbeat. So it's like your heartbeat and your breath and you're just saying it with every breath. Um, there was also, uh, uh, what's the, um, the Agnus Dei, Lamb of God, have mercy on me. Um, no, that's not, it's Lamb, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on me. Um, so that was another one that they would say, with the Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on me. The most famous breath prayer is actually one that was popularized in the Russian devotional book called The Way of the Pilgrim. It was written in the 15th century. Um, it's one of the best books, devotional books I've ever read. It, it, has it has not become popular um, in the West very much. I mean, it was brought into the West, but it didn't explode in the West the way it, it did over in, in the Eastern Church. But when I read it, I read an excerpt from it when I was very young, and then I went and read the book, and it changed the way I thought about prayer. And I want to tell you the story. I'm going to summarize the whole book for you in like two minutes. So the story is this, uh, this layman is reads the injunction in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. And he's like, well, that's impossible. How do I pray without ceasing? And so he goes and finds somebody, and he says, I want to learn how to pray without ceasing. This is all supposed to be like a, a great allegory, right? So this is kind of like Pilgrim's Progress, but the Russian version of it. And so um, the, the person who's teaching him teaches him this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's taken, if you recognize it, that's there's, there's two parts of that. It's taken from the story in Luke where the tax collector, God, <laughs> Jesus is telling a parable saying that there's a Pharisee saying, I thank you that I'm so righteous, and a tax collector saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he's like, guess which one is the better one? And the answer is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, is the correct prayer to pray. And so you have half of that as the Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and the first one Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, is one of those really, really ancient formulas that's a traditional name for Jesus that's the one that actually is where our symbol of the fish comes from. The, it's, it's called the ichthus, and the, uh, the first letters of ichthus in Greek spell out Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And so it, it was a very, very early kind of saying for Christians to repeat over and over again. And so that's why it got, it got coded into this very, very early prayer. And putting those two together, you have Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. So he goes and he says, here's this prayer. I want you to go home and I want you to say this 5,000 times per day for a week. And so he does. He goes home. He goes about his business. He says it 5,000 times. Per day. He comes back. He goes, I did it. He goes, okay, now I want you to go say it 10,000 times per day for a week. He goes, okay, I did it. And he goes home and he does it. And then he comes back and he goes, okay, I want you to say it 20,000 times in a day for a whole week. And I, ha I haven't read this book in a while, but there's, there's this part where he's like, my tongue stopped working. Like my mouth got sore. Like I couldn't, he was trying to say this prayer and he just like couldn't say it because he was saying it so many times. And then there comes this moment where he wakes up in the middle of the night and he realizes he's saying it. And from that moment on, he's like, the quote was, it was as though a great wheel had started turning 
and it would not stop. And so he found himself saying the prayer his whole life. He woke up and he was saying it. He went to sleep and he was saying it. And when he wasn't doing anything else, he would say it intentionally. But when he was doing something else, it just went in the back of his mind. And when I read that, I was like, well, that's cool. So I never did say it 20,000 times in a, in a day. Kudos to you if you want to try that during Lent. But I did start, and this, I was like, yo, I was like 18 when I tried this. It was an extraordinary experience. I started when I was in the car. Take a breath in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Take a breath out. Have mercy on me, a poor sinner. I had to get over. I was so into very, very happy evangelical Christianity that the phrase, have mercy on me, a poor sinner, didn't sit right with me the first time I said it. And then the more I said it, the more I was like, yeah. And the longer I lived, the more I was like, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Like this, this is the prayer that I need right now. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Um, I, that, that has been transformational for me. I, it might not be transformational for everyone, but it has such historic role in Christianity um, that it's, it's worth knowing as you are experimenting with the discipline of prayer and finding what works for you in your prayer life or your prayer walk. And if you notice, it's, a, it's an interesting combination between the active and the passive forms of prayer. It is very active, right? So this is the thing about the, the activeness of the saying it means that you're not just sitting there thinking, what do I say now? And yet, once you get going on it, you're not thinking about the prayer anymore. Your, your spirit is just praying without necessarily thinking about the prayer. In fact, the, the linking it to the breath was supposed to be, especially when you did it intentionally for you know, 20,000 times a day, was supposed to be so that your body remembered to pray even if your mind forgot. Because your body never forgets to take a breath. So the more you train your body, the more you just pray as a part of being, and you pray as a part of your existence, and you find yourself praying even when you weren't intentionally trying to pray. Okay, we're, we're going to experiment, so we're going to take a break. I'm not going to give you long. Don't worry. This isn't like 20 minutes of silence. I want to give you five minutes, and I want to see what this experience is like for you. So you're going to get five minutes, and I want to challenge you. You can use Lord Jesus Christ and the God have mercy me a sinner. You can use the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. You can use our Father who art in heaven. You can, I mean, I'm not going to like check you. Like you can use whatever you want to use, but I want you to experiment with breath in, breath out, saying a prayer. The, sorry, the prayer is Lord Jesus Christ. Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to experiment with just doing that for five minutes and, and see how it goes. Okay, y'all ready? Any questions? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Y'all ready? Okay, and go. Okay, and time. All right. 
thoughts, experience? What do you think? Yeah, if you're trying to count while you're saying it. <laughs> I'm also not sure the book's meant to be taken like exactly literally. Um, but there were, there were people who devoted their lives entirely to prayer and probably did say it, you know, 20,000 times a day. But they, they would count it using beads as they were going around. Other thoughts? Experiences? I, I don't know. The bead seems a little disingenuous. Does it? It seems like it's kind of cognitive brainwashing. It's not like from the heart, it's more just an activity. Mm. <clears throat> you know, like if I were a Hindu or whatever, I'd be doing the same kind of thing. And I'm wondering, you know, is it more form over substance, I guess? Practicing. Do you think you will learn how to pray when you need it? Yeah, most of the time. Absolutely. I mean, it's communication. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like if my daughter woke up every day and said, Dad is great, Dad is so good to me. She said that a million times. After a while, I thought I'd say, Will you please shut up? <laughs> you know, let's, let's communicate. Let's yeah. talk. Yeah. In, a, in a way, though, in a way, though, by saying something like that, it, it, it allows the brain to get out of the way. Because I don't know about yes. you, but I've got lots of thoughts and voices and stuff in my head. And, and doing something like that just allows you to focus it. I mean, my mental energies are usually not, if I am not focused with something, my mental energies are wasted on things that are not prayer. Does that make sense? Um, so, so I think for me, like. Well, you, the, could, you could talk to your husband or you could chant. I guess, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not discounting yeah. the value of it. I'm just saying, for me, to me, it's communication, and communication isn't necessarily. I think it's a good meditative, therapeutic thing, but I wouldn't call it communicating with God. I just think it's. A so I would think that the purpose of this would be more to put yourself in a place where you are thinking of God. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Yeah. Um. I know what you mean, kind of. It's kind of like Hail Mary, Mother of God. You know, the, the Saint Saint Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Which is also a very ancient prayer form, guys. Yes, I mean, so so it doesn't have to be everyone's cup of tea, but you, you have to understand millions of Christians have practiced prayer in this way for thousands of years. So, like... I, I just wouldn't like the like. There's a reason the rosary was a dominant prayer form and still is a dominant prayer form for a very long time. So I I do think I I, I do think like if if you never sure like if if you if you never say it meaningfully. I just I think for me if 
there's so much meaningless chatter in my head that if I'm waiting to say something meaningful to God, it's going to take me a, a real long time. Like, I have to quiet the chatter first. I'm like, your, your head might be quieter than mine is. Like, your, your, your mind might be more focused. I'm, like, I'm not kidding. Like, your mind no, might be more focused. No, my mind's full of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the point, the, the point of, I, you know, and I don't want to go down the side road, but like a transcendental meditation, mm -hmm. they give you your own little personal saying, yeah. and you breathe in, breathe out, and yeah. say it. Yep. And that's what I'm relating this to. Yeah. It's a technique. It's not, and it focuses you. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but I think what I'm saying is a whole lot of Christians have done that for a whole long time. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know who stole it from who. But I don't, I don't think it's any less a part of the Christian spiritual tradition to say that. Um, something weird happened to me when I was doing this just now. Yeah. Because I also, my mind goes in a million directions. The more I said it, the more I started focusing on each and every word, mm -hmm. and it kind of drew me to him. Mm -hmm. So then I could just talk to him. You know, so I, yeah, I never thought so much about the word mercy until I started saying that first. I think, too, when, when you, especially the last part, my mind goes to, you know, I'm not saying how I feel like I sinned, but I think my emotions are start to go to that. Mm -hmm. Same way, like I'm a person, I grew up Catholic and prayed the rosary a lot. And as you were saying, the rope prayer, your brain and more your emotions just went to something else. You kept, you kept saying the words, but your emotions started being somewhere. Not not a bad place, but like. Or you start visualizing things. Yes. Yeah. Shut out all the noise. 
holding on to that. Since uh, that part of it was really yeah, the exhale is the one that started saying this, it was like a little boldness. It made me it made me feel like I was truly in the presence of Lord Jesus Christ and God. And when I said, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner, it made me really think of I become I need to become a little more humble myself. Like I humble myself. And it's just puts me in a different level of praying, mm-hmm. like more deeper wanting. Because I'm already into praying. Yeah. It was like a bonus. So I see myself saying that mm-hmm. a lot. <clears throat> I found that the uh, breathing, breathing <coughs> really, <clears throat> rather than just saying the words, the, the breathing in the first line and, and breathing out the second line, mm-hmm. it kind of <coughs> it, it detached my normal chatter or whatever yeah. you want to call it from myself, I was able to actually and that I mean that that's a really good technique. I think it is a technique. I don't you know. But yeah. you become the words, you know, the words get in you and, and I, I really felt that. Yeah. I am wondering if, if song does that to some people. Oh you absolutely. Know, when people have absolutely. a choir and, and, and it you know you can't think about my normal well, what am I gonna do tomorrow? Right. <laughs> you know, I I've gotta stay in that Focus more, right. and that, that helped me a lot. I like that breathing. Yeah. This is also helpful for people who are trying to break, like, mind patterns, like people in a, in some kind of addiction or something, and they're trying to keep their brains from going back to something. Um. Some kind of some kind of prayer. It gives you words to say. I mean, for me, I, I don't always even know what I want to pray, right? I don't even, like, if I were to sit there and, and try to say, like, what do I even want? Like, I don't even know. Um, but I can say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm God, have mercy me, a sinner. And it's always, you know, it's always the place to start, the place I can start. Um, 
Okay, let's go on to the second, because we're gonna try to get through three tonight. Let's go on to the second form. So the, the second thing I wanna talk about is um, prayer using scripture. So the Christian theology of scripture is not just, we've talked about studying scripture. Scripture is absolutely um, something that should be studied with our heads, but um, we believe scripture is actually inspired. We believe scripture is actually a means through which we encounter God. And because of that, there has been, um, throughout Christianity, a tradition of actually praying the words of scripture, right? So approaching the scripture, not not with our heads dissecting the language and the history, but actually praying these words and using the words as a prayer vehicle um, to, to pray the scripture back to God. Um, this, this, if you look in the Psalms, in fact, we're going to use a Psalm tonight. Um, if you look in the Psalms, you see a whole lot of going on and on about how wonderful it is to meditate on the law of the Lord. And when they say the word meditate on the law of the Lord, of course, like these people have been studying the law, but they're, um, it's not, the, the image is not just they're studying, the image is that they're, they're reading and they're soaking and they're absorbing these words. And so there's this, um, there's this verse, sweeter, oh gosh, I'm going to quote it wrong. Sweeter than honey are your words to my mouth, something like that. Um, and it comes from, there is this tradition of when uh, <coughs> the boys before their bar mitzvah were going through and learning, <coughs> excuse me, learning different scripture passages um, in, order, in order to teach them some of these scriptures and to make them appealing, the rabbis had a tradition of actually drizzling honey on letters and making them trace it with their tongues um, to learn. Honey was delicious, right? So it was like candy. It was like giving kids like a candy... Uh, Lord's Prayer or something like that to actually get like them to to learn the words right it, and it, it was and it was delightful and it was wonderful and it wasn't just like I want this in your head it was like I want this in in your body and so because of that when you come to the New Testament you see that um, disciples normal people had large parts of scripture committed to memory, right? Um, this, it would have been normal for anyone pre our generation to have large parts of scripture committed to memory. Um, when Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees or rebuking Satan or whatever, he doesn't like have a Bible in his back pocket that he goes and looks it up. He just quotes it verbatim because he's got it in his head. So does Paul. So do even like the fishermen, right? It was it was in their it was in their brains already, um, and so one of the things that has proved proved useful to Christians um, is actually using scripture and, and praying the words of scripture. Now I will say a word here. Um, there are the Psalms are the prayer book the, the the hymn book of the Bible. There are Psalms for many 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 occasions. Um, <laughs> there are. The, not every psalm is fit for every occasion. Um, there are psalms of lament. There are psalms of supplication. There are psalms of thanksgiving. There are psalms where you ask God to smite your enemy. Um, the, I had a colleague in seminary who said that he and his wife were trying to use the psalms as their table prayers before meal, and they just got more and more disturbed <laughs> the longer they went because some of the psalms are real dark. Um, and that's true. Some of the songs are real dark, but life is real dark sometimes, right? Um, 
when we'll do a sermon series on Psalms at some point, but the Psalms ex- exist for a reason. And so um, I wouldn't necessarily take your prayer, just like open the Bible randomly, pick a Psalm and say that that's my prayer for the day. Cause that's real dangerous to play with. Um, but, but the Psalms traditionally, um, uh, have been memorized by both Jews and Christians because they've been so, uh, so, so useful as prayers. Um, so what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to experiment a little bit with Psalm 139. And if you don't have it on your... you don't have a Bible, you can use your phone. So here's what I want you to do. You can, you have, so here's where your journal can come in useful. I find it very, very helpful to write out the Psalms when I'm praying them. You can do that, or you can just sit there and say it to yourself if you want to. I want you to stick with Verses 1 to 5 for right now. I want you to stick with verses 1 to 5. We're only going to spend a few minutes on this. I want you to either write it or say it to yourself. Start with these words. Start with praying these words. And then just see where that prayer takes you, okay? You can either write it or you can say it. Does that make sense to everybody? You don't have to say it out loud. You do not have to say it out loud. Do you want me to read it just for everyone so we, we hear it? You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Okay, you've got about four minutes. Okay, and time. Okay, what y'all think? Thoughts, reactions, experiences? Yeah. <laughs> 
curiosity and feeling, not criticism and judgment. So my first reading was like, I was panicking. Mm -hmm. But the second one, I was like, he's searching me for food. Okay, I'm going to move us on because we've got one more I want to do. And then we're actually going to close with um, a prayer walk of the church. We're going we're gonna to put you guys to work. Um, and I, uh, I'm trying to see, let's see what, what the time is, if we can practice this next one or if the, if the last prayer walk is actually our last practice. The last one I want to talk about tonight is um, transitioning a little bit from the verbal to the visual. So I'm a very verbal person, which is why the first two speak to me a whole lot. Not everybody is a very verbal person. I, I don't think that's an excuse for like not reading the Bible, right? Even if you're not a verbal person, you still got to do scripture. But um, when you look at people who have written about their prayer lives over the last 2,000 years, especially um, people who've devoted themselves to prayer, they often have very visual experiences in prayer using their... Um, imaginations, right? So they are, um, so there's a number of people you can read, like Ignatius of Loyola is one, Julian of Norwich is one, um, Teresa of Avila is one, and when they talk about their, their prayer life, it's, it's very visual, and, and in some cases, they will, they will claim to, like, actually have received visions, but I don't, it's not always, like, I receive a vision, it's more just when they're thinking, when they're praying, and when their mind is with God, they, they, they start imagining things in their conversation with God. I mean, it, and it's sort of like the way, um, you know, um, if, I'm, uh, if I'm praying for something, I might be using words, but then I might start seeing like a, a, a picture of it happening. Um, and prayer is kind of, the prayer of imagination is what, what it's called, is using your words and your images and your feelings to, to just to envision something more than just say it. So hypothetically, praying for healing for a person, um, you can use words, pray God heals them, 
you could also sit there, imagine the person in your mind, and imagine God coming up and putting hands on them. Jesus coming up and putting hands on them. Um, imagine a um, healing, like this, you know, um, a, a, a visible healing happening in this person. Um, if you are praying for somebody you know is struggling, um, imagine um, God. We don't know whose kid it is, but we know it's one of ours. Um, you know, imagine God coming up and just wrapping their arms around them, or Jesus coming up and just wrapping his arms around them and just holding them and just giving them comfort. Um, what I've found with this kind of prayer is that it kind of works together with my words. I mean, as a word of caution, like, we always, imagination can run wild. We don't, you know, you, you don't want to be like, I saw a vision of you. <laughs> And Jesus told me that yada, yada, yada is going to happen. Like, our imagination can run wild. But honestly, everything can run wild, right? Like, our whole thoughts can run wild. Our prayer lives can run wild. Everything has to be sanctified in order to be of God. And so I think when we're praying, um, like, everything needs to be, un, you know, with the direction of God. And yet, this has for many people... Um, envisioning their prayers as much as saying them has for many people added another level of power to their prayers, another level of specificity to their prayers, especially people who are not super verbal people. Um, so those of you who have a hard time coming up with words, those of you who sit there and you say like, I want to pray for this person, but I just don't know what words to say. Um, imagining what Jesus giving them or doing for them, what you want to happen or what you are praying for happening is one way of opening that avenue. What happens when you do this is your, your feelings get involved, your thoughts get involved, your words get involved, and it's, it's kind of this whole-bodied picture of, of what your desire is for this person or this situation. Obviously, this is more much more of an expressly intercessory prayer. So, so far we've talked about, like, the first two are means of like, putting ourselves in the presence of God or praying scripture. This one is specifically when you're praying for a situation or for yourself. Um, but it's a means of getting your whole, whole self, whole body involved in the prayer um, rather than just, just your words. Some of you are excellent at praying with just words. That's great. Um, some of you might, might benefit from adding some visual elements to your prayer. Um, I wonder, it's 7.43, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to try to practice it for like two minutes and then we can talk about the prayer walk because, um, I, I wonder, I, I want to give you a moment to like think of a situation in your head that you're praying for, whether it's a person or whether it's yourself or whether it's a situation. I want to give you like two minutes to envision, uh, practice something where you're envisioning Jesus answering that prayer in some capacity and then come back from that and see what the visual element did, okay? All right, two minutes. Okay, time. Okay, how was that experience? Thank <laughs> you. 
between them. For me, my personal intercessory prayers always end up being a mix, but um, because I am so verbal, I can lead it entirely on words, and then if I, can, if I bring the images back into it, it's like a whole new level of, of prayer, right? Um, and so I, 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 I find for me that it, it deepens my prayer a lot if I can remember to, to not lean in entirely on words. Um, I, I, I think, of course, our prayers 
the prayers that we see in the Bible are all our words because the, the Bible is a book. <laughs> um, and so I don't think we, we, should, we leave words out. Um, but I think, I think um, um, envisioning in the answer to your prayer and asking God to work through, work through that vision um, is a powerful way of praying. Let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, we are so, so grateful for the gift of being able to approach you in prayer. We are so, so grateful that we are not by ourselves and we are not alone and we are grateful that you use the prayers of your people to accomplish your will on this earth. And so come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, cover this place with your grace. Cover this place with your Holy Spirit. <laughs> and may, uh, may we be ever faithful to and ever vigilant for your word and your will. This we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.